What up, world? And welcome back to another episode of the Seeds of Success podcast. It's your host, Colin Walters, and I'm so excited today to have on a great friend, former colleague, and mentor of mine, Aaron Adsit. Aaron began his career with a humbling entry-level position in arguably one of the toughest selling industries that there is, vacation rentals. After struggling to get by and, and questioning if sales was the path for him, Aaron made a commitment to his then-girlfriend and now-wife that he would give it everything he had and gave himself a two-month deadline to either hit his number, find success, or switch careers. Pretty soon, he became the number one rep in the company, month over month, year over year. He ended up leading a team of his own, and now with over 15 years of sales experience, Aaron is a highly decorated sales professional and has had a tremendous career. He is currently the Director of Global Sales Enablement at Nintex, a tech company based out of Bellevue, Washington, where he develops and implements enablement strategies, programs, and curriculums to help drive sales performance and productivity. In this episode, you will learn about the mindset that it takes to succeed in sales and in life, goal setting, leadership, defining your why and clearly articulating your vision, and always striving to grow, learn, and ultimately pay it forward. Whether you're new to the sales game, a seasoned vet, or simply learning to personally develop in your own ways, this episode has something for anyone. And so without further ado, I'm pleased to bring you this inspiring and motivating conversation with Aaron Adsit. Aaron, thanks for coming on to the Seeds of Success podcast. It's great to have you. Yeah, good. Thanks for having me, Colin. Love it. You bet. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we're back with another episode here. Um, Aaron Adset on the show. This is a this is a special episode for me because Aaron was basically um, not only a friend and a, and a colleague, but Aaron was instrumental in the development and initiation of my sales career. I see Aaron as as a friend, but also as a mentor. And so, Aaron, it's a it's a pleasure to have you on. It's been great to know you over these last four years, and I still remember that day that we sat in your car when I was yeah, six months into my sales journey as an SDR, and basically we had not only a heart to heart, but just like a, a an overview of where I was at, where I can go, and you really instilled belief in myself. So, love having you on, Aaron. Thanks for having me. And I, I absolutely remember that conversation and it's full circle now. Look at, I mean, we're doing a podcast, you know, you're doing it from your house that you bought in your own office that you've set up since that moment, that since that conversation. So it's awesome, man. Yeah. I, I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's so much that, you know, to take away even from that statement right there, like we can go so many different ways with goal setting, which, you know, investing in a property, which we've been able to do is something that you and I talked about in those early days, having our whys, right? Not only our, our mission statement wise, our purpose driven wise, yeah. but also reasons for why we are working and, and why we're striving for financial success as well. And so there's been a lot of great things that have come from, from our friendship, our mentorship. Um, but for everybody listening, Aaron, I want them to know you and I want them to get to know who is Aaron Adsit. What do you do? Where did, how did we even get to talking here today? Maybe if you want to give the audience some background, Aaron, on who you are, why, what, how you're here and your story. Yeah, I'd love to. So um, first off, thanks again for having me on. Um, cool. As you mentioned, so Aaron Adsit, I'm Global Sales Enablement Director at Nintex. Uh, I've been with the company now for about eight years. Uh, I've had about a 15 year track record in sales. And I actually started out <clears throat> as I started out my sales career at Wyndham Vacation Ownership, world marked by Wyndham, yep. and actually started out in reservations. So I wasn't really in sales. I actually got tricked into thinking it was a sales position, but it was a call center position where you literally take in um, inbound calls and book reservations. Mm. And I, absolutely hated it. Like from day two, I was just, this is horrible. It wasn't what I was thinking. I was ready to quit. And my girlfriend at the time, wife now was like, Hey, if you really want something, you need to put in the work 
and find out if there are other avenues within that company that you could find something that you're passionate in doing. And so I took that, I remember that exact conversation and I went back in that next, that upcoming Monday and asked about like, where, where's the sales department? What do they do? How does that work? And first answer I got was, well, you have to be here six months and you can't have any blemishes to get any type of transfer. So you can't be late. You can't have, you know, any call remarks. And that was the first, I wrote, I literally wrote that down as, okay, first thing I need to do to get out of where I'm at right now, because I didn't like it, was I got to be here six months. I can't be late at all. And I have to do all these things. And so um, I found out exactly where the sales department was. It was actually not even in the same building. It was about two blocks down. And on my six month to the day, I was interviewing for a sales position in this department. And I remember coming up to the interview and walking in the building and outside the building, there was like Mercedes and BMWs and, um, you know, nice Audis. And I was like, damn, these people are balling. And I was sweating because I had to run two blocks because I couldn't, after my interview, I knew I couldn't even be late coming back. Otherwise it would have been a blemish. Yep. I remember in my interview, the, you know, them asking me like, you have no real sales experience. You, uh, why should we give you this position? And I was, I was hungry. I, you know, and, and I, told them, I was like, I will work harder than anybody here. I want to be the best. I'm coachable. Like they could just see that I wanted it. And reservations they had at the time, um, these tiny little sales things that you could do where you could basically tee up, um, you know, a sales conversation. And I was number one on that every single day for the first six months. Cause that was how long I was there. And that was the only thing I had to, to gauge off of. So I was like, here's what I've done over here. I'm number one. All I want is a shot. And uh, I ended up getting an opportunity, and um, and that would yeah, that 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 was the first step. I'll never forget that day because it was the first step to my actual sales career, and um, it was a journey. It was an absolute journey. There's so much to take away. This is all net new information to me. I haven't even I yeah. haven't heard this before. I, I had no idea you you started in reservations. <laughs> and I I was like the first two months I was terrible. I was, I was terrible the first two months uh, in, in the sales department because in the sales department, our job was to call current customers and upgrade them. And for those of you that haven't done cold calls, when you're calling someone and they're at, they're just got off work, they're at home with their kids, they're making macaroni, you know, it's five o'clock and you're trying to sell them something, it is hard to get people's attention. It is very difficult to get people's attention. And especially over the phone where, all you have is tonality and emotion that you can create, right? It's not like you're in person, right? It's over the phone. People are distracted more than ever nowadays. And so being successful at that and, and learning from the best and trying, you know, I had, I wrote down, there was, there was a time where I almost gave up because I really wasn't doing very well. It was, I was two months in and um, my girlfriend, wife now, I remember her saying to me, she goes, you know, maybe, maybe we go back to reservations. Like maybe this isn't for you. And I told her, I was like, look, let me, you know, right now it's December. Let me have until February. Give me two more months. If I don't make, and I gave her a number that I was going to commit to because I, I told her, I was like, I'm going to take care of us. I'm going to get us, you know, we wanted to, one of our personal goals was we wanted to be able to travel, but we had no money. Like I was taking two buses to work. I was eating cup of noodle uh, you know, at lunch. And that was like my, like, just, I was lucky to have that every day. I mean, I was broke. And, uh, I remember telling her, I was like, just give me until February, give me until February. And if I don't, if I don't make it by then, then I'll quit. I'll go back to reservations. I'll do something else. And I'll tell you one thing like that relief that it gave me going into this, like, like announcing that to somebody. And then it took the pressure off for me because it was like, all right, I'm just like, I got, you know, I've given a date and I'm going to give it my best. And if it doesn't work out, I'm do doesn't work out. But at least I can look back saying I tried my hardest. And so I ended up not only um, doing well, but I ended up in January. I made like 10 grand that month. In February, I made like 15 grand that month. It was more money than I had ever had. And um, I was listening to um, you know, different, I was, I had a couple of books people recommended I was listening to the best reps and just started applying myself and setting goals. And, um, yeah, that was, that was the start of my, 
my kind of sales journey. So first off, it's like, thank you for sharing your story because I think it's important, you know, to hear that it wasn't always smooth sailing. There's so many people, right? That it, it's like your your classic start at the bottom and really work your way up through something that you didn't even want to do initially, Aaron, which I think is so important. It's very similar to a conversation I had last week on the show with Rachel, where we were talking about sticking it out and gutting yeah. it out, regardless of whether you like that situation or not, right? In order to then give yourself a chance to get to that next step, knowing that that won't, that won't be forever, right? But you have your, your eyes set on what that next goal and what that next benchmark would be. And for you, the opportunity to get into sales, not even guaranteed to, to get the role and, and not even guaranteed, but it was up to you to give yourself that opportunity, right? And so you had to stick it out to get there and then go sell yourself. And I mean, I think there's something to be said about the belief you have in yourself to be able to sell yourself. I mean, there's so much inherently that, you know, your reasons why were bigger than the reasons why you couldn't do something, which it, I think, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say you're spot on. And it, it, well, it's so difficult when, you know, you get day in and day out rejection. Mm. And, you know, luckily I had a couple of people at the time tell me, they said, look, like think of, you know, and they give me an analogy. I love sports. So they give me a baseball analogy. They said, look in baseball to be in the hall of fame, you only have to be successful three out of 10 times three out of 10, and you're in the hall of fame. That is a, you know, that's such an interesting way of looking at it, right? Because mm -hmm. some people could think about it as I'm failing 70% of the time. And that mindset could affect them in a negative way. But if you think about it as, wow, I really only to be the best in the world, mm -hmm. only need to be successful three out of 10 times. And sales is no different. You get beat up, you get rejected every single day. But if you can mentally understand that, hey, there are going to be good moments and bad moments, but you know, my confidence and the day in and day out, you know, is going to be the same confidence going in everything. And it's hard to do that is because some days you just have those bad days, but that's what helped me separate myself, you know, in those early times and trying to learn is like, look, I'm going to give it, I'm, I set goals, but I, I told myself, I'm not going to let my confidence be, um, you know, impacted negatively. I did every single day I wore, and it was hard. I mean, it's not something that's easy to do. You really have to work at it, you know, to be able to apply that same energy and excitement every single day. Um, but if I could say, you know, something that was really helpful for me that someone came over to me and said was, you know, they asked me, they're like, how many presentations do you need to do to get a deal? And at the time, you know, I was like, I don't know. And then they asked me the next question, I'll never forget this. Is a rep that asked me this. He goes, what, what do you want to be? What do you want? And I was like, well, I want, you know, I, I said what most people new to sales say, I want to be number one. I want to be the best. Mm -hmm. He goes, how can you possibly be number one if you don't even know what it takes to get a deal? Yeah. And like, it was one of those comments where I was like, uh, I didn't, I didn't know how to respond. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then I started asking, okay, well, what do the best do? What are they doing? And I really attempted to learn from the top of the leaderboard. And that's something that if there's any other, other little nuggets, I would say is, especially for if you're new to sales, it's eat, like misery loves to share misery. Mm. And if you're on the bottom of the board, you can, if you surround yourself with people that, or if you're new to sales and you're just getting in it, if you surround yourself with people that are low to bottom of the board, they're getting, they, they love to give advice, love to, but there's a reason why they're at the bottom of the board. If I want to buy a waterfront property, I'm not going to ask my neighbor for advice because that's why he's my neighbor. Like I want to learn from people that have done, been there, done that, you know, so I can try and replicate that success. And that's something that early on, I was a sponge at that. I would look at the top of the board and I would, I would go in, I would stay late and I would go in early and try and pick their brains as much as I possibly could. I'm like, what do you do here? Like, how do you do here? How do you plan out your day? Like, how do you do this? And, and I would just listen and absorb it. And the ones that were very consistent at being the top of the board, I would try and learn from them and then replicate it myself and then apply those same type of skills that they, you know, were willing to, you know, pass on um, in my own day to day. So question for you on that is yeah. 
you right we're we're in a and thank you for thank you for the insight right um i think it's so important to look at who is doing well and try to replicate what they're doing fit you know be very strategic about seeking out time with them listening in on calls and i know that's something that you know, when we were when we were in the office right you're always on the floor listening to how this person is running an, uh, an agenda, their upfront contract, how this person's asking for business, how this person is setting a next step, what this person is saying on voicemails. Like, you know, you, you, you're you on the floor and you're hearing these things. Or if somebody is, you know, this is, you know, this show can, is applicable to so many different people, Aaron. So if somebody's, you know, training for a marathon, right? Yeah. Seeking out your local community, going to forums online and seeing what other people are doing, reading books, um, you know, parenting, like all sorts of resources. But when we're talking specifically with the modern day professional side of business, career, obviously with COVID, everything is has shifted, right? And we're looking at, uh, you know, digital ways of trying to do this. And so we can't just sit back and listen to what our friend is doing next to us. And I know that there's awesome, when it comes to sales specifically, there's there's some super cool tools like Gong, and chorus, which I know that we've talked about at length, and we've have both utilized and and do. What are some other ways that individuals, regardless of you know where they're at in their career, if they are still working, um, you know, face to face in office, or if they are now remote, what are some ways that individuals can hang out with yeah. the top performers and hang out with you know the the people that are having success in their field in their industry. You know, you know, because it's just not as easy, I would say, to do yeah. it. Or it just requires you to be a lot more strategic um, and a lot more intentional with making it happen, I would say. So what, what sorts of ideas, strategies, tips do you have? A couple of things. And I think the same thing applies about learning from the best. So, you know, whether working in office or at home, you know, most companies have a sales force or dynamics or some sort of CRM, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you the one thing I would suggest is have a report run. And then who's constantly at the top of the board there? Mm. And then, you know, be bold. Reach out to them directly, whether it's, you know, a, you know, Teams or Slack or email even, or just throwing something on the calendar, it, but be intentional about what you're trying to get out of it. You know, so that would be my suggestion is if you're getting, you know, number one, ask for a quick meeting with them, with those top reps. Don't be, don't be shy because, the people that get better are the people that are willing to learn and get asked for help. And you know, typically, if you ask, you know, those top producers, they, they'll offer up help and suggestions. But be intentional about what you're asking them. What do you want to accomplish? What are you trying to learn mm -hmm. from those meetings? So that'd be one of the things to learn from the best. There were two, and and this was so helpful for me um, in long-term consistency because uh, if you don't have this, the this two-part component you'll get burnt out so the first is find your why why are you doing this and you know wh whether it's a long-term goal and short-term goals that's okay you can you know you can have both but setting yourself goals and and the, you have to have a strong why behind it because if you don't real and i'll give an example you know someone asked me why do you want to do this you know and i'll ask that question what why is this important to you well i want to buy a car Okay, well, what, what color car? What kind of car? Well, I don't really know. If you don't know, it's not that important to you. Mm. That's not a strong enough why. Like if it's a strong enough why, you're like, I want, I want a Mustang. What color Mustang? I want, I want a custom paint job. I want it to be charcoal gray with, you know, extra big tires and rims. And like, you can go into deep. You have a print off of that on your wall that you want. Yeah, That's it. Right? Or it could be, hey, my, I want to, take care of my mom and I want to take her on a, you know, an international trip, or I want to, you know, take my spouse and do this, or I want to provide this extra thing for my kids, or, you know, it could be something as simple as, you know, I really enjoy playing Xbox with my friends. You know, I, I want to take three days off and just do nothing but Xbox and, you know, this, that, like whatever your strong enough why is for you that will hold you accountable. Because when those tough moments happen, when you're just getting beat down, you can look at that why and be like, wow, okay, this is why I'm doing this. That will help you in those moments. And that's what helped me is like, I, I made a commitment. And the second part to that why is not only writing it down and having a visual print off to it, but 
don't keep it to yourself. Mm. If you keep it to yourself, you can let yourself out of it and you can make every excuse in the world, world why you didn't achieve that why. But the moment you start announcing it to people, the moment you start telling people about this is what I'm going to go do, you, you will be surprised at what you can accomplish. But that was a big thing for me is I, before, before I started announcing my whys, it was like, well, I didn't accomplish this, but I didn't tell anybody. So I didn't really fail because no one knows. Mm -hmm. But the moment you start just like announcing and saying, hey, babe, I'm going to take you, we're going to go on this trip and we're going to go do this. And you announce and say, you're going to do that. It's amazing what you can accomplish when you start to put verbal accountability out there. And so that was something I started to do. I go, I was goal setting and I, I, but I found whys that were really important to me. And I would then share those whys with, you know, friends or family or both. Well, I, I think it, you mentioned one of your whys at the very beginning of the episode, when you're talking about your, your two month timeline in order to go and make that sales job happen because you wanted to provide and you wanted to be, you know, the individual that was going to take care of your wife and take care of your, of your family, future family, and go do those trips, but be a provider. And so, you know, that with a timeline and then taking action behind that, why so powerful. And like, to your point of the verbal acknowledgement of your why that first time you start saying it out loud is the scariest and those are the time, <laughs> right 100 and then it gets easier it gets better and then the more you do it and then coincided with the more action that you actually take that is in alignment with that vision then you start generating confidence and mm -hmm. then you start building momentum right and then you actually start knocking down these dominoes and start building something <laughs> great and and reward yourself when you get when you achieve that why like when you achieve that goal for the reason that you're doing it when you achieve it don't shortcut the reward you know don't just say i'm gonna go we're gonna go on a trip or i'm gonna take some time off or i'm gonna do this and then you hit your goal or exceed your goal and you just continue to work or you continue to go for the next one i wouldn't suggest doing that whatever your wires you know whatever reward you are um setting yourself you know, if you achieve it, your why could be one thing, but you could also have rewards for yourself, mini rewards, you know, along the way, but don't, don't short yourself on those because it feels so good, you know, to set a goal, accomplish that goal and then reward yourself. And it doesn't have to be a financial reward. It can be, you know, whatever's really important to you. But, um, in those early times for me, uh, and I'll never forget this. I probably, I don't know if I share it on the podcast, but I guess I will. Um, that I'll never forget this. I told my wife I, and girlfriend at the time that we'd be going to Vegas mm -hmm. and um, I would buy her uh, some at the, at the time she always thought these were the fanciest shoes, Christian Louboutins. And I didn't even know what they were. They were like these women's shoes that are at the time it was more than our rent was for our apartment for one pair of shoes. <laughs> and, and I was taking two buses to work eating cup of noodle, like super broke. But I told her, I was like, we're gonna, like in two months, I'm going to make a minimum of 10 grand each month. And we're going to go on a Vegas trip because we had never been to Vegas, you know, and I'm going to buy you one of those fancy, and I couldn't even say the name of them, um, but Christian Louboutin pair of shoes. And I remember I know. <laughs> the, the best, they're, they're like $1,300 pair of shoes. Like, I mean, we're talking like, like they have this red sole. It's like a trademark red sole mm. on the bottom of the heels. And um, I remember going to Vegas and we walked into this store and um, I was wearing sweatpants and a backwards hat. And they, <laughs> they looked at me like I was just, you know, going to steal something. You were like, being you though. You were you. Yeah, I was, I was me. That was me. Oh. But it, it was the best, it was the best feeling in the world um, for, to be able to buy her those shoes and then like basically walk with that bag back all the way through the um through the mall in this really nice hotel like that was that to me that rewarding feeling to be able to do that for her um made it all worth it and there was many more things that weren't materialistic like that but you know i mean it, it if you set yourself a reward and then fall through with whatever that reward is it, it makes it everything more you know more special in it, my opinion it's an amazing story because the way that i interpret that aaron is it's so much more than the shoes 100 percent. it is 
who you need to become in order to actually achieve that goal, doing something together with your wife, setting a team goal, right? And something that's fun, like you got to have fun too, you know, your why and your purpose was far more mission driven, right? To be able to provide, to support, to be the man that you ultimately wanted to be that is able to take care of his wife and family and, and future generations, right? But it's so important to have fun with it too. And so the fact that you were able to have this goal and, um, you know, and do this with your, with your wife and, and, or girlfriend at the time, um, I think that there is just so much more to it. And, and here's the other thing is that you achieving that that's your new benchmark, right? That's your baseline, Right. Getting to that point allows you to then that's your baseline to grow from there. And then you know you're 100% on. Like, then you know, okay, I have done this once. I can do it again. Mm-hmm. It, you know, the other thing to add on to that when I reflect back and I still apply this today, when you're goal setting, you know, if you've never done, and I'll use, I'll use Excellence Club, President's Club, you know, Excellence Club, depending on the type of company you're in, they might title it different things, but it's, you know, it's the celebration for achieving a certain number for the year and being, you know, the best of the best, right? And when you're brand new, if you set yourself a goal of like, hey, I'm going to achieve Excellence Club, you know, the thing that I would encourage you is that might be the long-term goal, I would say, but that's a great thing to have. But your first goal should be, you know, I first want to hit my quarterly number or monthly number. Like, you know, don't just look up and say, I want to get to the top of Everest. Like you need to hit that first base camp, mm-hmm. you know, set yourself realistic goals, you know, and don't just say, oh, I'm going to make, you know, oh, I want to make a million dollars or I want to make this amount of money. Like, that's great. But, you know, if you've never made a hundred grand in a year, you know, and now you're trying to go up to a million dollars, like mm-hmm. set yourself like milestones and then start achieving those milestones because then once you've done one of those levels, then it's like, okay, that's my new benchmark. I'm never going to go past this because I have the confidence to your point. I've done it once and I can continue to do it. So we've, we've talked about the vision, the why, the, the reasons behind you're doing what you're doing and then celebrating those wins along the way, having your, your end goal, but then backtracking it, right. And having your, your quarterly benchmarks, your monthly benchmarks down to your weekly and your daily benchmarks. Aaron, what happens? Say you hit Q1, you hit Q2, right? Or whatever someone's goal is, right? You hit X amount of miles in the week for training, or, um, you know, you, you got that promotion at work, but say you don't hit the goal, you don't hit the objective or the benchmark. What is your process for reviewing what went wrong, what happened, asking yourselves questions about why did I not hit that and reevaluating? Like, what is your, your process and your mindset around not hitting that goal and not hitting that objective? Yeah. So I, I think that's a great question because for me, I very much like to really truly understand my end to end process, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I do like to understand like, what is my goal and working backwards? Like, and I'll just use a number, right? If I wanted to hit you know, a million, if I wanted to sell $2 million in revenue for the year, like on average, what's an average size opportunity? You know, X, Y, Z, maybe it's 15,000. Okay. Well, if it's 15,000 on average, I, how many of those deals do I need to get to 2 million? Okay. Now there's that. Mm-hmm. I also know that I'm not going to, every single opportunity is not going to close. So I'm not going to bat 10 for 10 on every opportunity. I'm going to have some of them that just might right. cancel or might, you know, go ghost me. Right. So how many, what, what percent, maybe 10%, 20%, 30% of those opportunities are going to be, you know, ghost me or cancel. Okay. So now I need to factor in that number plus 30%, you know, and then from there I need to backtrack and say, okay, well, what activities do I need to do, you know, to set up enough meetings to get enough opportunities to get up enough deals close? What are people, what are people doing out there to get these activities? Mm. And when I do that and I say, okay, based on all of that, if, a 12 month span, that's what I want to do. What does that break down per month? What does that break down per week? What does that break down per day? And the per day number, if you add in that buffer, that buffer number, you can have days where you miss because you have a buffer number. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're going right back to the fundamentals of knowing your numbers, right? It's back back to the basics. And I know that it's something that 
you coached me through at very early stages, but it was a, a constant part of our conversations was the fundamentals, right? So going back to knowing your numbers, understanding your business, and then being able to take something, you know, take a very big goal, but break it down into sizable chunks on a daily basis, right? I don't know if there's anything you want to add. No, I was just to say, and then within that, then it's understanding, okay, you know, where am I at? You know, when you come, when it's a sales process, like how am I doing my first presentations? You know, then how do I do my opportunity development? Like what, what are the components of opportunity development? And then how is my closing? Oftentimes what I've seen in this, and I was guilty of this early on is you would come, people would be, they'd be great at one small component, but because they'd miss there, they'd think, Oh, I need to change everything. I need a whole new script or I need a whole new way to present, or I need a whole new this. And it's like, just because, you know, you're hitting the ball to the left a little bit, doesn't mean you need to be, you know, go from a right-handed golfer to a left-handed golfer, like mm -hmm. and completely abandon what you know. Right. It might just be one little small tweak that you need to do. And that's something that if you understand it, the true sales professionals, they know exactly at the start of the their process, what are the things that they do really well? And what are the things that they can try and improve on? Mm -hmm. You know, and then when in the middle of their process, what are the things that they do well? What are the things that they can improve on? And then toward this area, the negotiation, the closing piece, what are the things that do really well? What are the things that they can improve on? If you know that, then you can understand, well, I actually, I could make some tweaks right in here, or maybe I can add in a little bit here. Maybe I can learn how to do this here because this part and this part is actually pretty solid. But if you're constantly shifting everything, if you're constantly just trying new things mm -hmm. you know, and changing your entire approach, you're never going to have consistent results because you don't know what works. Right. You're, you're having your know, one off just, Oh, so this person said, yes. So I did that work. I don't know. Maybe that worked like, mm -hmm. and that, that not knowing what works and what you can do to be consistent. Um, it's, it makes it really challenging to have a long sustainable career. Being able to articulate your success. 100%. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a difficult thing to do, but you know, in, at each component of things, and then you and I used to talk about this a lot, like in your intros, right? When you were doing cold, cold calling for SDRP, there, your SDR presentation, that intro piece, like just that one part, you know, we would talk about, hey, don't change the rest of what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Let's just tweak this one part, you know, and then you start to see more and more success with that. Remember that? Oh, it's a great, it's a great point. The, the structure was there, right? But it was one word here or maybe one phrase there and then trying it and giving it a concerted effort, right? And doing it X amount of times in order to actually be able to articulate and evaluate, is it working? Is it not working? And then yep. be able to adjust pivot from there. Break, um, break it down to the ridiculous. You know, if you truly do want to be successful, break it down to the ridiculous. What do I need to do today? And give yourself a buffer. Like don't, you know, don't, don't crunch the numbers or crunch what you need to do to get here and give yourself no room for error because you can, you can give the best presentation in the world. You can make the most calls in a day, you know, and, and sometimes it just, you reach people that it did, they say no. And if you don't give yourself a buffer, then it puts more pressure on the next day to do double the amount or the next day to do this. And it's like that, that adds to the stress and that stress comes across in as desperation and desperation does not lead to good results. Mm. So, you know, when you're doing this, just say, I'm going to, I'm going to stick to my process here's the daily number I'm going to do. And if you don't do that number today, just tomorrow, the next day, say, I'm still going to only do this number mm -hmm. and commit to that. Commit. Yeah. Aaron, I have a couple questions for you yeah. before we dive into the, the final questions and start wrapping yeah. it. You know, this thing is, this thing is so good. I, we could, I feel like we could go for two, three hours, um, but I, we'll just have to do a part two and yeah. in order to, yeah. to cover everything. And one, one question I, you know, what I at times have found struggles with in my own career, and I know that, you know, speaking with other reps and, and sellers and professionals is that there's so much we can do in a given day, right? And my, my question stems from like, how do you boil down what to do? Like, how do you go about prioritizing your activities and how do you almost think about how to prioritize your activities and what is going to drive the most value, right? And one thing I like to, you know, I try to consistently think about is 
by investing 60 seconds into this activity, what's going to yield the greatest return on that investment of time, right? Whether it's for making progress or financial returns or whatever it may be. I'm curious as to your mindset and, you know, maybe there's some tactics that you use also, some tangibles, but how do you go about prioritizing your day? What activities to actually do and, you know, be, being able to to execute on what's most important. Yeah. So, um, and th that comes back to breaking it down into components of things. So um, I'll give you an example. If I know that I'm top of funnel trying to do some prospecting, right? And I'm just focusing on this component. I want to see how I can cold call and do some presentations to get people excited and want to attend a meeting, right? Just, just that part of it, okay? Mm -hmm. And I'm just trying to perfect that. As I'm trying to perfect that, things that I'll start to learn is, well, what time of the day do people answer? You know, or is there a certain time of the day people respond to meetings or emails? You know, are we, am I getting LinkedIn, like email responses at a certain time of day? And I'm starting to catalog that information. And then in time management, in my calendar, I'm blocking out the best of the best will block out. If I know that between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. are my highest time for responses or people to answer those calls, that is my prospecting time. And if you want to, and prospecting time for me is time that I'm generating, it's revenue generating activity, you know, that's going to lead to opportunities. It's going to lead to closed deals. It's going to lead to money in my pocket. So I, I, I was notorious about if you're taking time out of my prospecting time, it better be worth my time because it's literally money out of my pocket, right? Does this bread and butter time, you're not going to interrupt that unless you know, and I see a lot of reps, they either A, don't know what that bread and butter time is, you know, or, or B, um, don't really put a value to blocking that out. And they should, because if you know that, hey, on average, people answer during that time, I would maximize that time and then leave the other times for, you know, opportunity development or deals closed. But like that, that's a huge component of things um, is knowing that part of your what you want to achieve mm -hmm. and breaking it down to the ridiculous and then putting that into time management. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. It comes yeah, back to understanding your business, understanding, um, you know, understanding who you're talking to, understanding, um, you know, at what specific hours of the day people are going to be most likely to respond or most likely to pick up the phone or whatever it may be, you know, and apply that to your business however you wish, but really just understanding um, your your business is, is my my takeaway there, but also then implementing a structure into your calendar, right? I know that a lot of reps and a lot of professionals, Aaron, know to time block and then they put it in their calendar, but then we fail to execute on that time block because something came up or we're we're bleeding, you know, an email into this calendar block, like. What, what would you say to the to the rep that or the individual that, you know, has those good intentions, but hasn't been as consistent as they would like and actually executing on those time blocks? Don't don't abandon your process, but change up the activities that you're doing to mm -hmm. see if you can get a different result during that process. So let me give an example on that. Um, let's say that I block out. I'm just going to use this time. It's not a set time or there's no, no like logic behind my statement here, 10 to 2 PM is my time that I'm doing prospecting. And let's say, you know, for the first month or so, I'm, you know, my first, let's say four presentations, I can feel that I'm not, you know, I'm not able to articulate the value or like, you know, I get a little tongue twisted, right. You know, those days where you just don't feel like, like I, I felt like weird, you know, a little bit like off talking and it's like, okay, well, instead of abandoning my 10 to two and just not having a process or structure there. Like what about, you know, going on a run for in the morning or what about like, you know, reading something or hitting up, you know, someone else and having a quick call, like getting yourself changing what you're doing, but not changing and abandoning your process. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. That was it's something that like, I, I would see a lot, like as I developed my career in sales, I like one of the big things for me was, okay, if I'm having challenges, you know, just, you know, my rhythm or my pace or my excitement was off on those first couple of calls. It took me a little bit more to warm up. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm, I felt I was missing revenue generating opportunity because I wasn't ready. 
And so what can I do before then, whether it's, and for me, it was going and working out in the morning, you know, getting some cardio in just to got my mind a little more ready and, and good to go. And the days that I did that, I felt like I was on rhythm a little more. And so instead of abandoning my process, I would say change up your morning or routine or things that you're doing if you're not getting results during that part of that process. It's just like you step in the batter's box in a, in a baseball game, you have your routine that you go through to have your mindset ready for that next pitch, right? For that next call, for that next presentation, for that next conversation with your manager, your direct report, your client, whoever it may be. I mean, case in point, as I was preparing for our podcast today, I shut everything down and I put on one of my favorite songs that gets me fired up. Yeah. I started moving around. Like I know movement and jumping around creates energy for me. And so, you know, just understanding who you are and what allows you to tick and create energy, right? Um, it's just it's just knowing that and, and I'll like running like number one way I start my day, right? I, I see you're gonna say something. Oh no, no, yeah, I, I couldn't completely agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's one thing like the five P's. Um, mm. so um, proper preparation prevents poor performance. Proper preparation prevents, prevents poor performance. Yep. Yeah. If you're if you're prepared and you've yeah. you're ready to go, like both mentally, you know, process wise, like mm-hmm. yeah, then you'll be more consistent. Totally. And there's there's confidence that comes from that. They're like, you know, it, I it never ceases to amaze me that every time I am overly prepared for something, I am 100 more confident every time regardless of what it is. And the other thing that, um, at least for me earlier in my sales career, one thing that kept me hungry and motivated is, you know, I never, I didn't stay stagnant. I wanted, I had continuous goals that I wanted to achieve. So like at Wyndham, one of the things for me is I got in and I started doing well in sales and I was like, I want to be number one, you know, for the month. That was my first goal. I want to be number one in the whole department for a month. And then I said, I want to be number one for an entire quarter, Mm. just number one in the whole department. And then I said, I want to be number one for the entire year for the whole department. And then when I was number one for the year for the whole department, I was like, all right, now I want to be number one company-wide for a month. Now I want to be number one company-wide for a quarter. Now I want to be number one company-wide for the year. And then from there, it was like, all right, now I want to be the youngest sales manager, you know, in company history to run a team. And I got promoted and got a chance for a team. And then I was like, all right, now I want my, my team to be number one for the month company-wide. Now I want my team to be number one for the quarter company. So it was like little milestone goals, but it gave the confidence that, Hey, you can do this. We can do this together, you know, but it wasn't just like, Oh, I just want to be, I want to have a team and I want us to be the best in the world. It was chunks that we just worked our way up to. And then as soon as you hit that bar, it's like, that's the new standard. You don't go backwards, you know, you, and that, that was the easiest way to have consistent long-term success is just having those incremental milestones, you know, that you start raising the bar of expectations. And especially when people know that they can accomplish it, even if it's individual or if it's a team, if the belief is there that, Hey, we know we can do this, mm-hmm. you know, then you have buy-in and support and you can accomplish amazing things when you have a bunch of people or individual, you know, that believes that they can accomplish that, that what they're out to do. It reminds me of, like a a car driving with the headlights on in the dark, right? Being able to drive as far as you can see and then getting to that destination. And then there's more road to be had, right? The idea of setting a goal, reaching it, and then raising the bar. And I think that, you know, for, for people listening, it's so applicable to their sales career. It's so applicable to training, to fitness, to family and relationships and you know, you have that one hard conversation, then you're that much more poised to have that next conversation. Or, um, you know, in, in your training plan, you hit X amount of miles that week, then we step it up 10% to that next week. S- similar principles, right? But exactly. goal, yeah. Exactly. I'm going to run a marathon tomorrow. I'm not just going to run the, you know, was it 23.4 or what, what's the number? 26.2. You know it, right? Oh, I, it- I know it. You know, but I wouldn't just be able to run 26.2 tomorrow. It would be a process of training if that was my goal, right? And the same thing applies, just like you said, in, you know, in sales and any really career that you're doing, the things that you want to achieve, like what are the benchmarks that you want to get to? And that will help with your belief and your consistency, you know, along the way. Aaron, as we continue to 
have this conversation. I, I keep thinking we're going to get to the final four questions, but I just have another question that has come up and it, and it's something yeah. that I'm curious about because people listening, I'm sure, you know, that are in sales business or anybody who's looking to make a transition at all into management and leadership. I am, I'm curious as to how did you know when it was your time to go from sales rep and individual contributor to management and to leadership? And I'm, I'm curious, like, you know, was that something you, you thought about for a while? Was there specific goals you wanted to hit as an, as an individual contributor and as a, as a rep before you got into management? Were there certain thresholds or standards that you needed to have like X amount of years selling or like, how did you think about that process prior to your transition of knowing when it was time, or maybe you didn't even know it was time and you're like, I just need to jump into this thing and go for it. Like, how did that process go about for you? When, um, well, when I was number one as a seller, mm -hmm. new reps coming in, they'd man, leadership would put them to shadow with me. And so they'd listen in on calls and they'd do this. And so after the calls, they'd ask questions and I, I'd be like, yeah, here's what I did here. Or here's what I'd, I'd share the what knowledge that was passed on to me. I'd pass it on to them. Nice. And I knew that I eventually wanted to have a team because I was so excited when those reps would get on the phones and they'd get their own deal and they'd come over to my cubicle and they'd be like, you know, I, I did this. I, I tried this and like, I got the deal and I was genuinely excited mm -hmm. and happy for them. And I was like, oh, I like this feeling. I like this feeling of sharing some knowledge that I learned and seeing them be successful with it. And that's how I knew that I eventually wanted to have, you know, influence over, um, you know, helping others, you know, whether it's small team or management or, you know, just trainings, but yeah, that, that's how, I, that's where it came from. Yeah. And I mean, just feeling useful. It was, it was a, a genuine feeling that you had knowing that you were enjoying helping people have success through the experiences that you were teaching from having already done and accomplished. So cool. And there's a great, for those of you too, that want to have like, you know, um, leadership and continue to go and grow your careers. Um, there's one book that I thought to this day, I think it's still one of the most in, influential, ironic uh, choice of words there, but it's by John C. Maxwell and it's called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Mm. And it basically boils down to leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And if you can influence others, you know, and how I've always found it is if you're willing to, you know, get out there and show them how to do something, not just tell people to go do something, but if you can get in the weeds with them and say, here's how we do this together you know, then uh, people will be much more receptive. And th there's certain things too, that as you become a leader, you know, the best leaders will learn from other leaders on where they can improve on. And there are uh, just a couple of things I'll point out. One, I'll never forget this because when I was a brand new first time manager, I was so excited about helping everyone that I would, I would run out of my office and like literally sprint over to like the cubicle or, um, or area where I could hear one of the reps on the calls and I would go over there and like try and like coach him through a deal. And I was so excited about it. And I will never forget this. One of the VPs at the time, they came by and they're, Hey, Aaron, you got a minute? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, first off, like, I want to tell you, like, I love how much you want the passion you have to want to help everyone. Um, and your excitement on this, but can I give you a tip? And I was like, yeah. And he, and he said, um, even if you're, you are, like literally eight hours of the day, just absolutely massively busy. He goes, and you're running, you know, over and listening on calls and doing this. He goes, when you leave your office to go and listen to a call, walk, don't run. Mm. And I was like, wow, okay. Uh, and he's like, the reason is, he goes, if you're walking, it will give the perception to other people that they can still come ask you for things. And if if you're if you're running, you're giving the perception to someone that may be a nicer personality doesn't want to like, Oh, he's busy. I don't want to bother him. And then it'll prevent them from asking you for help. Hmm. That was one of the best piece of advices I got as a manager or leader was don't always seem like you're approached unapproachable. Like if you're having your one-on-ones and they're like, Oh, how's your day? And you're like, Oh, it's so busy. I got all these things going on. Hmm. You know, even if you do saying that isn't necessarily helpful because 
they might just be like, oh, well, I was going to ask you about these, but I'm not going to now, you know? And that's where like getting that advice really changed my mindset of when I'm working with people, even if you are busy, don't make them feel like that because it could prevent them from asking a question that you could genuinely help them with. Right. And it's almost like taking it. Yes, you're busy and you have a lot of things going on. And in that moment, the most important thing is how you can help that individual, because that's the, that's the appointment that you're in. That's where your time is dedicated right then and there. And so I think that's so important and such a great message to share because that can help a lot of people, you know, who maybe it's a rep or maybe it's somebody who is apprehensive to, to ask their manager for help. Just that acknowledgement that, Hey, they're always going to be busy, but you still need to ask for what, for the help that you need. Yeah. You still need to ask for the help that you want. And for managers and leaders, just knowing that, you know, and I'm not in that position. So I, I, I can't speak to, to any of this. I mean, I've been a coach in the past um, for, for baseball, not, not for sales or, or business or anything, but ultimately I know that I will be there. And so this is, this is awesome for new leaders, aspiring leaders like myself. So great advice, Aaron. Thank you. The one other thing too, a little tip, I at least have a, cause whatever field you're in, have a moral compass, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, I had, I had checks that for me that I would always repeat to myself. And if I could pass these checks, then I don't think that there's any tactics or activities or, you know, if I call someone 10 times, 12 times, I don't feel bad on it if I can pass these three things. And for me, you know, it was, um, is it affordable? Would they use it? And does it feel good? If I could say yes, yes, and yes to all three of those things, like there's, I, I would do things, you know, I might call someone 10 times in a day or I might do this, but I might not, I would never feel bad for any of that. I would never say, oh, that's, you know, um, you know, shady or anything along those lines. If I can, if I can truly answer yes, yes, and yes to those three things, is it affordable? Would they use it? And does it feel good? Does it feel like the right thing to do? Like to help this other individual, to help this person get happily involved. I'm not selling them anything. I'm getting them happily involved. And if I can answer yes to those, then you know, that also helps your mindset because then when you're making those extra cold calls, you're not annoying or bugging them. Like you're genuinely like, Hey, there, there are things I can help you with. And you'll feel better about that. If it's true. You believe in it. hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. So, so important. If you don't believe in something that you are advocating for or selling or trying to push on to people might not be the place for you might not be the thing for you to be, especially if you know, deep down that it doesn't feel good or if it doesn't you know answer one of the answer all three of those questions right affordable would they use it and does it feel good yep um i think that's that's huge for anybody that is you know advocating for a specific cause product solution or selling something or even just working at at a company right do you believe in the actual solutions and that that you're providing to the marketplace and do you actually, you know, do you believe in, in that this thing is helping people, you know, in, in the long run? So if you're pressuring someone that to buy something that, um, that they're not really going to use, like at the end of the day, you know, you're not, you're not getting them involved, happily involved into something, you know, you're conning them. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, that there's a difference. And the people that are the true sales professionals, the ones that, you know, are, not selling people something that they can't afford, but they're selling them, they're getting them happily involved into something they'd actually use. I, I think that I know some some coaches in in my life that have their own like coaching practices. And that was always one of the biggest things that they talked about is that initial fear of putting a big price tag out there because you know it's just it's a big price tag. Uh, however, do you believe in yourself like you know, do you believe that you're going to be able to help that individual six months, 12 months down the road that it would, you know, is it worth the value? Um, you know, so I think it's just a matter of being able to to answer that for for yourself genuinely and, and honestly. And it's a hard thing too, especially when you're right out of college, you're broke, you got, you know, you're 
like literally your paychecks are very minimal, right? So to you, $100 is a lot, right? But there's a term pitching out of your own pocket. And I, I always encourage people avoid pitching out of your own pocket. And it's hard to do, but numbers, you have to be able to just not, we used to do this exercise where we'd write a bunch of numbers on a sticky note and it would range from $10 all the way up to a million dollars. And the exercise was to practice role play saying those numbers, because it, it's interesting when you close your eyes and you hear someone, you can make, when someone feels like a thousand dollars, oh, a thousand dollars, like, oh God, I, I don't, like, I wish I had a thousand dollars. Like you make a, a thousand sound like 10 million. Mm. You don't want to do that. Mm. Like you want to make it seem like it's no big deal. You know, 10, 10 bucks, yeah, it's 10 bucks. Two million, yeah, it's two million. You know, and being able to do that, it's it. it oh. like, those are those are next level stuff that I, I would encourage people to do. Yeah, and and it all comes back to that belief too, right? Is is it justified? Can you believe that it's worth the value? So, all right, we're 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 super close. We're one question away from from the final four questions, but oh. I just want to know. Aaron, this is something that, you know, I think about often, but why do you love sales? You've been in sales a while. And for, for everybody listening, this, this isn't, there was literally not one question written out for this conversation. Everything is just off the cuff here. We're just having yeah. a conversation. And so everything that I've asked Aaron is, you know, off, off the spot. Like I'm, I'm literally just genuinely curious why do you love sales, Aaron? About growing up, I always played sports, so I always loved competing, right? I love the competition component of sales. Um, I love that there's always continuous growth. Like you're never in sales. It's not just, you don't go in and you don't do this exact same thing every day. Like there's more challenges. There's more things that you can achieve and learn and grow on. And like, I just, in the camaraderie, like winning together as a team, right? Where it's like the end of the month and you have all like hit that number and you guys are ringing the bell or like celebrating together like that. Those are literally like some of the best moments of my life. And I just, I love it. Like, I love being a part of it. I love um, working with sales individuals. Like it's just, it's, there, there's nothing like it. I love it. Um, I, I, I know that I'm in the same boat, right? It, it, I always, you know, being a baseball player, what I knew it was directly applicable to going about being successful in baseball, right? Starting with the mindset and consistency and pitch by pitch is literally what, what the game is with strategy involved. And so um, along with everything else you just mentioned. So cool. That was something I just had. I just had to oh, ask. Yeah. No, I love it. We'll dive into the final four here, Aaron. Let's do it. So first question that we have is what is your favorite book, YouTube channel, or podcast to learn from? You can talk to that however you wish. So um, I know it's a, it's a it's a sales podcast, right? Not necessarily sales, but um, my favorite book is um, by an author, Tom Hopkins. And the book is How to Master the Art of Selling Anything. Exactly. That's the this one. right here. I had it prepared for our show, anticipating. It's my, it is my, and I have a copy over here. And inside it says, um, Aaron, um, you know, keep up. All of the great work. Thanks for the support, Tom Hopkins. So I have an autographed copy of my own. Um, but it, I mean, it changed my life. It really did. It took everything to the next level because there's it truly is an art form of sales and everything from tonality to your word choices, you know, on how people perceive like negative, positive words, right? They, they, there's so much to it. And there's so much from beginner to advanced that you can go back and revisit and it applies to this day to everything that we're still doing right now so um yeah i thought it's still one of is my top top choice it's the reason that i have that book for for everybody listening i didn't i didn't prompt you to have that there either like we didn't even yeah sorry what was that oh no i didn't prompt you to have that there either I was reading through it last night in anticipation for our call our call today excuse me um expecting you to say that so um ties into the second question here which is your favorite quote aaron i never see failure as failure but only as a learning experience well it's my favorite quote it was coming yeah i never see failure as failure but only as a learning experience for those listening i actually have a an episode about four or five back if you want to revisit that that is the quote that i reference in the podcast and the description field all stemming from this man right here. So that's where I got it from. 
One of my favorite, uh, to this day, I know we're getting close to time or over time. One of my favorite stories, and I still share the story, is when you um, had the goal of taking your parents to, I think it was So You Think You Can Dance, right? That's right. And I, we were having a conversation and I was like, Colin, what's your why? Like, what do you want? Set a goal. What, what is it? And he's like, I want to take my parents to So You Think You Can Dance. And he came back the next day. I asked him, I was like, what do you, what numbers would you need to hit to do that? Literally the next day had all of the numbers broken out. This is exactly what I need to do. And um, months later, not only did you accomplish that goal, but when you came back describing like your parents, the experience that you had, like, I mean, was that not worth every single moment of, you know, putting in all the work to just be able to provide that experience to them? Well, the, the key word that you just said there was provide right? It, it comes back to being able to provide for others and sharing those experiences together with other people that you love and care about, right? I think that, you know, money is money. It is objective, right? Huh. It is a tool for however you wish to use it and whatever you want to do with it. And it's the meaning that you put behind that money and those funds that's going to ultimately fuel everything. And Couldn't so- agree more. Yeah. So I freaking love that. One of the that. best stories that you shared with me. And I still, to this day, like, yeah, it's, it's such a great story. I'll never forget it. 22 opportunities influenced in and mutt was, uh, was the goal and we hit it and we set new standards from it. So, yeah. and it was an amazing, an amazing evening with my parents out at the study thing. You can dance, uh, tour yeah. in Seattle. We went to and got a super nice dinner before it was, it was amazing and something I'll never forget. And I'll never forget you and I setting that goal together and working on it. And then here we are, you know, able to talk about it. So, yeah. yep. And I hope you get a chance to share your other goals, like all the traveling ones, you know, and uh, where you were just, I mean, we were, we were doing our sinks and I swear you had, you were in San Diego and then you were in, you know, like Montana, or then you were, you know, just all these beautiful places. And you're like, I'm living, I'm living the experiences that I wanted to live in. Like, man, just so cool. It's something I like going back to why sales, right? It, um, something I'm passionate about for sales and, uh, and, and business. It, it, it has enabled me to live an epic life and one that I continuously advocate for living because of, you know, doing the hard work and creates more freedom for myself. Yes. And so I think it's just, you know, especially with the day and age that we live in with this remote work, digital age, you're able to buy back time, right? And you're able to use time as effectively as you want in order to produce the results you're striving for to then go live the life you want to live, you know, while developing and growing along the way and doing challenging and uncomfortable things. And so, you know, that's, that's, I just can't, I, I love sales and I love being in the profession that we're in. And, and I just full heartedly enjoy, you know, every thing and everybody along the way too. Like I will always cherish those early days being in and around everybody who is, you know, out there on the sales floor doing the same thing, striving. So you surround yourself with good people, you know, people that genuinely want to help you and are positive people. Like it, it absolutely will guide you into the right path. You know, if you put in the work ethic to do it. That's right. And, and just to reiterate having a mentor because you know, that's why we're still here talking today, Aaron, like you and I had not really spoken until we had our sales kickoff event. And then, you know, I, I am very intentional about like sticking around to try to help out and do always go a little extra. And so that's how we connected is we wow. were on a cleanup crew, like voluntarily. Mm -hmm. And that's how we started talking. Then that's when you mentioned that you had heard me on sales calls. And I'm like, you know, just mind blown that you're talking to me and that we're now having a conversation and we walked, you know, however many uh, minutes to your car and then got in your car. So just like, if you can find somebody who, who, you know, for everybody listening, like to be able to find somebody who is living in a way that you ultimately want to live and, 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 you know, um, and, and be like, go reach out to that person. And do the things that are uncomfortable, but going back to what Aaron said previously, have a reason for why you're reaching out and make it very specific to that person so that it's that much easier for them to say, yes, they know exactly why you're reaching out and then they can help you and they can help, you know, serve you better. And you can ultimately serve them as well in a, you know, what ultimately is a, um, a give and a get relationship 
in the end. Um, so sure. that's a little, little tangent there. Love yeah, love those. Um, all right. Um, now that we can wrap the bow there, third question is a, a bucket list item. Something I ask everybody on the show. What, what's something you, you want to go do in your life, Aaron? Well, I would love, uh, absolutely love to get the opportunity to go to a Seattle Mariners World Series game. Oh, man. There's a, it is <laughs> a lot of needs to happen for, but wow, we're on, we're on stride. You know, it is something that, uh, as a longtime baseball fan, you know, it's not entirely in my control, but um, I like it is a bucket list item that I would love to someday say I was able to do that. Amazing. I know there's a lot of people listening from the greater Seattle area right now that can I can advocate for that myself included. So I know that 18 inning game to uh, wrap up the season there was hopefully hopefully trying. Um, to, yeah, closer uh, and closer. Um. Last question here, Aaron, is thinking into the future, 65-year-old Aaron is there, right? Um, what would that individual say to you in this current day? And that can be anything and about anything that you want, man. Um, um, sorry, sorry. So gonna, can you say it one more time? Um, what would 65-year-old Aaron say? What would 65-year-old Aaron say to you right now? And it can be for anything life-wise, personal-wise, professionally. Um, I would love to fist bump myself and say no regrets, right? That's wonderful, man. <laughs> That's what I'd love to say is I would love I would love 65-year-old Aaron to look at myself and just be no like regrets. no regrets, right? Let's go. I think that's yeah. a I think that's a great way to to go out here. A living life with no regrets, living an epic life and leaving nothing on the table. Life professionally, personally. 100%, man. And thank you again for having me on, Colin. This is awesome. I can't wait to, you know, uh, hear um, some of the additional episodes going on. And hopefully there's a couple of pieces of nuggets that the listeners got out of this. But um, man, continue to follow Colin because I, I love catching up with you. Um, you know, I use your story every single time when I'm talking to what you can do if you set yourself with, you know, the right mindset, the right goals, surround yourself by the right people and just work hard and you can accomplish great things. And I, I can't wait to continue to hear about all the things that you've checked off your list along the journey. Well, Aaron, I'm not even going to try to follow that up because thank you for coming on the show. You have been an amazing friend, colleague, mentor of mine. Really appreciate your time and the value you've been able to bring to our audience, to the listeners. There is so much to take away from this episode, and I'm excited for people to hear your, your story and how you've gone through life up to this point, Aaron. So thank you very much for coming on the Seeds of Success podcast. Thanks for having me. Let's go. Go, baby. All right. See you, buddy. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Seeds of Success podcast. I hope you found this to be valuable and enjoyable with some actionable takeaways that you can implement into your daily life starting right now. If you did enjoy this episode, can you please do me a huge favor and share it with one friend? Just one friend is all that I ask. And if you could please leave a five-star rating and review. You can also follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Coolin2322. That's Coolin with two O's. And you can follow me on YouTube by searching my name, or you can click the link in the show notes below. As always, ladies and gentlemen, keep planting, keep harvesting, keep sowing seeds with positive energy one day at a time, and I will see you on the next episode.